Hello and welcome to an encore episode of the Contracting Officer Podcast. Our mission, to make government contracting better one contract at a time. Whether you work for government or industry, we're here to help you understand a little bit more about how the other side thinks. We're taking a break this week for the holidays and decided to re-release one of our most popular episodes. This is acronym SOUP, RFI, DRFP, and RFP. Let's get started. Hey, Kevin. Today we're going to talk about the difference between an RFI, a DRFP, and an RFP. So a request for information, a draft request for proposals, and a request for proposals. We're going to talk about why contracting, office, why contracting officers use each one, what they're used for, what, what information they're, they're trying to get out of yeah, each, each piece, what stage of the acquisition strategy uh, plan that they fit into, what kind of communications go back and forth between industry and the government at this point, and what you as industry or, or as, a, as a CO should be, should be doing in each phase. And this fits, this straddles the market research zone and the RFP zone. Uh, obviously, the RFP is in the RFP zone. The other ones are sort of in the market research zone. So I'm going to jump in here, and we'll start off with the request for information. So, so what is it? Basically, it's in the market research zone, so it's market research. That's, if you zoom out far enough, that's really what it is, is that the government is trying to understand, I, I need some information. I need some technical understanding of what is the industry's capabilities. I need to figure out how many companies can do this. Uh, you know, how, how long does it take you to deliver whatever I'm buying? Um, what's the, what solutions are out there? Is this, I'm trying to figure out, is this something that lots of people make and it's a commercial item? Or is it a few companies make it and it's uh, something that's going to be... Or, or does anybody make it? Yeah, there you go. That's my, yeah, my personal favorite. Sometimes you, you throw an RFI over the wall and people are thinking, yeah, that's not something we can do. Right. And you know, it, so is it really even feasible? And then can a small business do it? And you know, what's the relative cost? So let's, let's, let's pick an example. Uh, request for information for... Uh, okay, this, this is a fun one. It's an example. So we have vehicles. And it's Special Operations Command, so I'm going to leave a lot of the details out. But it, so it's a vehicle, and we need the vehicle that can do certain things. It can go a certain speed. It can it can climb a certain height. It weighs a certain amount. It has a certain amount of range. All that kind of stuff. So you think about it. You're a Special Operations guy. You, you want it to do everything. You want it to fly. You want it to float. You know, it's, I'm being facetious, but you get the idea. So you ask them what's their requirement. They're like, we need it to do everything. Okay. Well, then let's put an RFI. And we, we thin that down to it has the following, you know, seven characteristics. It's got to have weigh this much, have this this range. It needs to run on multiple fuels, you know, whatever, right? The RFI says, okay, industry, are we crazy? <laughs> or can, can this actually be done? Now, I've, had, I've gotten questions before. People say, well, should I respond to an RFI? The short answer is no. And here's why. If you have to ask whether or not you should respond to the RFI, that tells me that you probably aren't watching the agency. You're probably not targeting what they do. And you're going to spend a lot of time writing something that, number one, isn't going to be very targeted to them. Because of what you do, if to save time, you may take a marketing material and just put it in an email and send it. Yeah, that's kind of a waste of their time. Because they're looking for specifics. Using the SOCOM example, you, we want to know, can you make a vehicle that does these things? If you send me, we armor vehicles. Well, that's not what I asked. So you're, gobble, you're gobbling up my email. And you're also wasting your time. However, if you make customized vehicles, then yes, you should respond. But but you also know that SOCOM buys customized vehicles. See where I'm going with this? Yeah, I was going to take the complete opposite tact on that and say you should absolutely respond to an RFI because this is your chance to to market your your 
market what you make and and actually shape the RFP. Eventually, when they come out to buy something, if they may not realize that they want your thing until you tell them about it. So I I think this is it. It, it depends on what you sell. It depends on what they want to buy. But the RFI is an important. This is so early in the acquisition phase that the government can change just about any – well, not just about. They can change any part of the, the acquisition strategy at this point because that's what they're trying to do. They're trying to learn how should we go about buying this because we don't know what the market is capable of like you talked about before. So this is your chance to to make your solution what the RFP is asking for. And yeah, this, is a, this is a fun one because we, we kind of see this from different sides. So you're taking the, the contracting officer hat. You're looking at this from the perspective of the contracting officer wants the information. Please respond to my RFI. I need a lot of information. I'm taking the. I, I'm also taking the industry side, and right. I want the RFP to be so tweaked to me that everybody else doesn't have a chance. And once once the RFP's out, we'll talk about that later. But I can't get the RFP changed once it's out. But at this point, I can I can convince the government to. Hey man, this is the requirements. Really, are this if it's what I make? I, anyway, go on. So, and, and that, that's a great example of. Remember, the question I started with was, should I respond to every RFI? The every being the key word there, and I, I still say the answer to that is no. And you're right. you're right. If it's something you've targeted, then absolutely you should. If it's something you're thinking about targeting, absolutely you should. If it's something, if it's an agency that you'd like to sell to, then yes, you should. But the reason I say start with no is because. If you pick up the habit of, hey, it's an RFI, we should respond, you're going to go out of business. Yeah, totally agree with you there. Totally yeah. agree with you there. If, it's fun to walk our way through that. If, if you're not – if this if you, if you aren't already prepared for this, it's – <laughs> responding to the RFI could be a giant waste of, of time and energy, right? It's like, like you're saying. If you're not targeting, if you're not targeting that agency, maybe take so, a pass. Exactly. So, so go back to why is a, is a contracting officer hold, putting out an RFI – all that information we just talked about. They want to know, can so going back to the SOCOM thing, they want to know, can you build this vehicle? And they'll probably figure out, actually they should figure out through this process, half of the companies that replied were small businesses. Going back to what we talked about, what is it used for? They'll be able to tell, is it a set aside? How much roughly is this going to cost? Does it already exist? In which case, maybe we could do a, a basically modify a commercial item. Or is it something that, eh, we're not quite there yet, so now it's a developmental contract, which... You know, this is there are all kinds of forks on the road here. You know, it's like an infinite number of forks. Right. But if you I mean, are a small business, this is your chance to say, "I'm a small business, and I can do this," and convince them to set it aside so that that you don't have to compete against all the bigs that have have more resources than you. I mean, that's that's so important. So the last thing we didn't talk about for for this is what type of communication is allowed at the RFI stage. Oh, sorry. Okay, I'll do that. Yeah, and the answer is is all, all communications. This is where open communication it's allowed. It's actually encouraged. You can you can call people one on one. You can have meetings one on one. This is this is where the communication really needs to take place if you're going to have a successful acquisition. And that that is a very good point for a lot of reasons. The biggest one is that you can have private conversations, meaning that the industry like a company that the manufacturer can actually have a phone call with a program manager, with a contracting officer, with anybody doing the market research at an industry conference, you get a booth and the guy walks up, the contracting officer or the program manager or the user walks up and this is your chance to, inf- this is basically what an RFI is used for, right? Is to collect that information. So it's very informal. 
It's not going to be shared with everybody on the on the planet. When you send a, an RFI in, it's going to go in the contract file, but it, not, it isn't like a question that's asked during the RFP stage where everybody's going to see it. Right, and right. This, there might actually mar- be a bidders conference here, and th- maybe maybe the the public questions aren't don't get asked at the bidders conference, but before and after the bidders conference, you can still have those private conversations. Yeah, I think thinking in terms of the aperture on the amount of information coming in is wide open right now. Got it. So then, after the government collects all that information, they put together a draft request for proposal, or they should. They don't always, but put together a draft request for proposal, which is their current and best estimate of of how how to how to go about the acquisition. But this is gonna this is where they they say to to industry, here's how the RFP is going to look. Tell me what you think. And this is the first time that you in the industry probably see what what evaluation criteria they're going to use and how long they're going to give you to, to submit your proposal and how many pages do you have for your technical volume if it's one of those kind of acquisitions. And the government at this – for the draft RFP, the government wants to learn – Will the evaluation criteria that they've selected for for this RFP will it get them what they want to buy? So if if the industry's reading it, this is the great opportunity for industry to say you're asking for way too much here, and what that's going to do is that's going to make me bid this, and this is not what you want to buy. You want to buy that, so you need to change the evaluation criteria slightly if that is really what you want to buy. Going back to the aperture discussion, aperture is a little bit narrower now. Some of the major um, decisions have been made, like you said, the, they decide on the evaluation criteria. They probably also decided whether or not it's a small business set aside. Yep. They've decided some of the, the contract type. They've decided is this going to be cost plus? Is this going to be fixed price? Is this going to have? They may be asking specific questions, like we're thinking about having incentive fee. Is that something that you know? They, by the way, they're not going to say what do you think. They're just going to include it, and then you're going to respond. Yeah, right. Right, and, and 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 this is where, if you and industry are reading the evaluation criteria, and you think, "Oh wow, they totally stacked it for Acme," that that isn't fair at all. This is your chance to say, "Government, you're you're not. This is not going to be a fair competition." And by the way, that, there's a completely separate topic to talk about with protests, but. If if it's unfair, you need to say so now. You don't get to say so when you lose at the end of the competition. That's a timeliness thing, but we have to ignore that now or we'll get way off track. In, into the weeds we go. Yeah, we can drift pretty quickly. There. <laughs> so, and, and let me jump on what you said earlier about the idea of they don't always do this, and sometimes they should, but that, that's true. Sometimes it really makes sense. Think in terms of a 10 $10 million service contract, multiple award, IDIQ, by the way, that stands for indefinite delivery, indefinite quantity. So they're going to award five contracts to five different companies, and they're going to compete for the work over the next five years. That's kind of a complex arrangement. So that's something you may want to have a draft RFP for. If it's something that they bought last year, they may go RFI and they go straight to RFP. By the way, you can get a copy of the contract by going through the Freedom of Information Act. So if you the point is the copy of the contract is out there. You can see all kinds of free data. So if this is something that they're just repeat, repeating the same process, they're, re- they're recompeting a contract that was awarded five years ago, they may not do a draft RFP. They may do an RFI. Or they may not do an RFI. They may just do a draft RFP. 
because right. they're getting they get some of the same information. The RFI is usually used when we when the, the aperture is wide open. When the aperture is narrowed down, like if they've awarded this contract for base maintenance for Patrick Air Force Base, okay, they've had a base maintenance contract for the last 60 years. Right. They're not suddenly going to decide it's a, it, all of a sudden it's going to be a cost-plus incentive fee contract. They're not going to do that. They're going to say it's roughly the same thing, so here's a draft RFP. Here are the few things that we changed. If they're really nice and they have a whole lot of extra time, they'll highlight them for you, but don't expect that. And then you'll be able to get the final RFP. So let's just clarify that these aren't all required. So don't get mad at a contracting officer for not using all three of them. They might skip the first two. I mean, it it might just be an RFP. If, if, if they know enough about what they're buying, they being the government in in a lot of cases, they'll just release the RFP because they, they don't need to learn anything else. And really all they, all, and I'm kind of going off of memory here. So don't, don't cut the lawyers can't come after me. If I quote this wrong, they have to do a synopsis, which two weeks before the RFP comes out, say, hey, we're going we're gonna to tell the world about this in two weeks. So they synopsize it, giving you a warning that the RFP is coming out. That might be all you get. Yeah. But again, that's something they competed the last, like when I did, um, well, let's pick one. How about the, pick on grounds maintenance. But we had a grounds maintenance contract for uh, NORAD, the North, North, North American um, defense system out there in Colorado Springs. And Again, that thing's been there for a long time. The grounds maintenance is not rocket science. No offense to those of you who do it, but you get my point. It's the same contract. So we may have come out and said, we're recompeting this, and it's roughly the same contract. Here's your two-week notice that we're going to put out an RFP. It's going to be roughly the same. So we're kind of hammering the idea of don't expect to see all three of these. But when you do, now you know kind of what they're for. Right. So communication for the DRFP phase. Like you said, the aperture is closing open communication is allowed it's usually a lot more guarded many times uh drfp there's a question and answer a formal question and answer session where you have to submit written answers or through a website and and the the questions and the government's answers are published for everybody that's interested to see so that everyone learns and everyone everyone is is treated fairly technically Private conversations are still allowed until the RFP, the final RFP is released. But usually at this point, the government's starting to get a lot more guarded about what they say and how they say it. Well said. They're getting more guarded. And that's because some of these decisions have been made. And the way that I, the reason I did it this way is that we've decided we're going to do a multiple award firm fixed price contract for five years. That decision's been made. That's the acquisition process. And and again, that's a whole other podcast about how you use FAR Part 7. But the idea is that some of these major decisions have been made. So as a contracting officer, I'm kind of at the point thinking, don't ask me questions about changing contract type. Okay, that, that decision has been made. What I want you to right. look at is, is, does the evaluation criteria make sense? Does the statement of work make sense? Right. Is it really performance-based? You know, performance I want you to look through this and tell me, do you understand it? Right. Do you as industry have the information that you need in order to submit a proposal a complete proposal for this because sometimes there's if it's a real technical uh, acquisition there could be some some part of the spec or some technical documentation that's missing that where industry doesn't have an idea doesn't doesn't know enough to to submit a complete proposal yeah so last thing on uh, draft rfp so if there is a bidders conference for the acquisition a lot of times it's held in conjunction with the release of the draft rfp where they actually the government will present the draft RFP to industry and let people ask questions. And usually there's almost no questions at a bidder's conference because no company wants to tip its, its, uh, 
tip its hand, let 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 the other companies know what they're thinking and where they're coming from. So the Q and A is usually pretty disappointing, but but it it is possible. And and here's a here's a takeaway from that comment for the contracting officers. That's why I mean this is one of those things might be obvious, but there are things that we think are obvious and they're not. That's why contractors love to have one on ones. Right. And I got to the point where the open discussion part, like I'd have a one day of, of uh, industry day slash one-on-ones, right? Well, we used to do the industry day presentation was like six hours and then the one-on-ones were like 10 minutes each for whoever showed up, yeah. which could be a lot. I got to the point where the overall part was a PowerPoint deck you can get off the off of uh, FedBizOps and I did like an hour presentation and then the rest of the time was one-on-ones. Right, because that's where the value is. That's the only place they actually ask questions. Exactly. And you're going to get so much more information during those one-on-ones because they're going to be, well, b- both sides are more communicative. So this is a shout out to the contracting officers, is that a good strategy is plan to do more one-on-ones. And again, it's obvious to some of you, but you, you got to learn it somewhere. So, yeah. <laughs> right. All right. Moving on yeah, from right. the market research zone to the request for proposal zone to the RFP zone. So when the RFP is released, the aperture you're talking about is closed. Communications right. are only, they're strictly controlled and formal and have to flow through the contracting officer. There's no more picking up the phone and calling the program manager or the technical guys. It, it, they actually get in trouble for, for doing that. Uh, it, so it's all, all, all conversations, written, verbal, email, whatever, have to go through the CO. And again, there's, there's usually a, for those of you following along at home, if you missed the sign, we drove past it. We just drove into a different time zone. Hey, so I like that. Temperatures changed. I mean, it's a different world over here in the RFP zone. So just that was a, there's a there's a big black line we just drove across. It's a new time zone. So keep going. Right. So again, communications flow through the CO. When the RFP is released, there's go, there's usually there's not always, but there's there's another Q and A period where, where they say questions are due, you know, in 10 days or whatever. And again, questions are published for all to see answers are published all to see. If you have to ask a question, if there's something that's just, if the RP does not make sense, you still need to ask the question, but you also need to strategy wise, you need to understand that some questions will could lead competitors to your solution. So, so I'll get off Get off the Q&A now. So I'll, I'll jump in here and, and tag on to the idea of when someone asks a question in the RFP and the contracting officer says you've only got 10 days to answer it, like you said, there's, there's a process behind that. So the reason that they're only giving you 10 days is because they want to get them done, number one, that's part of it. But also if they answered, if you answer the, or they answer the question for you on day 25 of a 30-day process, <laughs> you, you won't have time to change your course. Right. So, and, and quite honestly, they may not have time to answer it. Right, and so it's got to be up front. Exactly. So then it's on, and you're going to be frustrated because you're like, I asked this question and you never answered it. Well, if you ask it two days before the RFPs do, surprise, they're really busy doing other stuff. So it's not that they're trying to control your time and be mean and be lazy and not answer questions. It's, there's a, it's, it's kind of a big deal to get some of these answers done because, again, they're going out to the whole world. Yeah, so like, the... The RFP is locked down exactly. at this point. So if, if, a, if a question comes up that requires a major change, they can issue an RFP amendment. And you could have multiple RFP amendments, but you shouldn't, you shouldn't count on them. The government doesn't want to do that. It blows the whole acquisition schedule if they have to 
issue an amendment and start the clock over on on the the submission time. So, very true. Yep. So at this point, when you write your proposal, you have to write to the RFP as released, not as you wish it was, not as the draft RFP said, not as you responded in your RFI, but you have to comply with the RFP. And this is one of this is one of those little fun moments where the argument is, oh, government's all about paperwork, and oh, they're so they, they're making us be really specific, and oh, they're gonna. And I, I've gotten accused of this before. Well, you're kicking us out just because you don't like us, and 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 because you, you were being nitpicky. You know, we didn't answer this part of the RFP, but obviously we could have done that if you had given us more time. So there's the reason for this. Okay, think about if you and um, I know. This is a different environment because we're talking to the whole world here. So I apologize if I irritate people. So I'm, I'm not going to use company names. I'm just going to pick company A. Let's say company A makes products like uh, the aircraft company. They make aircraft. Obviously, it's all they do. They're really awesome at it. Well, here comes an RFP. They do the draft RFI. Or the RFI, a draft RFP, and here comes the RFP for buying aircraft. And they say, we need you to make an aircraft that can go this far, this fast, does all these great things. Imagine if, and I'm, this is hyperbole, but you get my point. Imagine if... Company A, who's obviously an aircraft manufacturer, doing this, that's all they do. If they could just say, dude, you know what we do. We're good. We we can figure this out. And that were enough to win the contract. Then small businesses, other companies, somebody who isn't already using this, uh, isn't already selling to this particular agency, would never have a chance to get in. So take that idea and extrapolate that over why it's so important that you answer the proposal because, and again, I can give you the farsades, I think it's 15.3, where it specifically <laughs> says the contracting officer is, is using what's in the proposal to make their decision. Yep. Because if, if anything outside of the proposal counted, then those of you who are new to an agency or who don't have as much past performance, or for that matter, make aircraft and other things, if this other company could say, oh, trust me, we, you, you know what we do, and they would just buy from them, then you'd have no chance to get in. So that's why the RFP is so important. We'll have to have a cast to cover what the contracting officer is thinking and what they're able to do, uh, what what they have to evaluate. Yeah, and it's a a very important concept to grasp that you as a a citizen of the concept of capitalism, you want competition, (laughs) and I mean, I'm I'm, I'm being serious here. You want the the competitive process to work. Well, the only way to have a, I use the, use the term level playing field, but it makes, the only way to have the level playing field really exist is to funnel all of that content that you're being judged on into one place. And that's the proposal. So that's why when you say, make sure that you're, you're responding to the RFP, that's why. Because yeah. all this stuff outside of the RFP, it's, it's all marketing. And I'm going to jump on the 80-20 rule. Remember this whole idea? If you listen to the podcast about the 80-20 rule, it's 80% process, 20% relationships. Here is another glaring example of that, is that if you don't answer the RFP, if you don't have a strong story, it doesn't matter if you have 4 million followers on Twitter. It doesn't matter if you're super popular in in some other industry. Your proposal is what you're judged on. Right. Unlike pure capitalism where you, you totally might be selected because you're the most popular or the one they know the best. Exactly. Yeah. So, it, it, and I, I, you know, I'm, thumping, I'm, I'm stamping on the, uh, on the podium here, but I really want people to get this because it gets an argument where people say, you're being unfair. You're, you're, I got kicked out because I didn't fill out this part of the RFP. Well, the guy that won did. 
It's, right. I don't see why that's hard. So, right. okay. <laughs> I keep, love it. Going. So to sum up the request for proposals, this is where communications are locked down. Everything has to go through the contracting officer. You actually get in trouble on the industry side if you try to communicate with other people, and the government folks besides the CEO will get in trouble and wreck the whole acquisition if, if they are communicating outside of the CEO. There may be a Q&A. There should be a Q&A published for everyone to see, but no private conversations allowed. Except for amendments to the RFP, this is what you need to propose to. You have to comply with the RFP as it's written, not as you wished it was written. And, and you don't have any chance to influence the selection other than what you write in your proposal. And that's the difference between the RFP and the other phases. Your, your, your only chance to win is writing the proposal now, whereas before you're shaping what the RFP might look like. And one thing that popped in my head as you were talking through that is uh, why people can get in trouble during the RFP stage. Yeah. So what happens when you email someone who might be on the source selection board? If, if you email them and they email you back and, you're, and you're, you're having a conversation, they may not be able to be on the evaluation board because we'll do a separate podcast. They burn themselves. But yeah, but we can, yeah, we'll, we'll have a separate podcast that talks about this. But in, in simple terms, they've tainted their ability to be objective. Yeah. So when you email them and you, you, you have a relationship with them, because they're, you, know, you see them in industry conferences and all that. It's a different world. When, when you cross that, remember that we, we, we drove past the time zone sign? <laughs> right it's a different temperature over here. It's a little, it's a different animal. Yeah. And I know I'm, you know, I seem like I'm being really crazy and, and kind of pushing how important this is. But this is the stuff that contracts are winning lost over. And this is how people are not able to be on a source selection because, and this happened at an industry conference, guys walking around, he didn't know any better. He was working on a source selection for, for one of the ones that I was doing. And he runs into the, into the, up to the booth of one of the people that we suspect is going to bid because this is, you know, it's with one of the manufacturers. And he says, yeah, I'm looking forward to reviewing your, reviewing your proposal when I'm on the, the source selection board. How, how unobjective is that? Right. So I had to pull the guy off the board and, he, and he's a, he's a user. I don't want to, I don't want to pull him off, but he, again, he doesn't know any better. So I'm hoping this is the kind of problems I want to solve. So if you're, if you're an industry person, be careful that you're not walking those people into it. I mean, it doesn't, doesn't say you can't talk to them. Right. It's Be- just- Before the RFP, you can play around a golf with them. Exactly. After the RFP is released, you can't play around a golf with it's anybody really that's involved dangerous. with it anymore. Yeah. Yes. Sorry. Talking over you. This is another passionate topic for me. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So I think, I think we walked through yep, we gave them enough RFI, info. DRFP, RFP. Why does the government do this? What they're used for? What type of communications are are allowed in each stage all right that's it for this encore episode of the contracting officer podcast as always if you have questions comments or complaints send me an email at paul at contracting officer thanks for joining us 